0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavors, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 211. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Dermot Kennedy. The Irish singer and songwriter is returning with his sophomore record today, which is entitled, Sonder. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dermot about the evolution of his songwriting, whether he'll make a quick return to Australia anytime soon, and we discuss our mutual love of one Mr. Glenn Hansard. Here we go. Our guest today is an incredibly talented singer and songwriter from Ireland. Having started out busking on the streets, He spent the last year touring the globe, headlining his own shows and supporting Shawn Mendes. Today, he's releasing his brilliant second record, Sonder. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Dermot Kennedy. Hello, sir. How are we? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Where uh, where are we finding you today?
2: I am in Ireland. I yeah, which is a rare occurrence these days, but I am home for a few days, which is sweet. Uh, and it literally just started bucketing rain outside randomly. So, I feel happy to be home to be honest. I can't be in the heat for too long.
1: <laughs> As uh I know Australians usually are kind of predisposed to be or predisposed or whatever it is to to be normal in the heat, but I think I'm very much the same. I prefer a bit of a rainy uh kind of weather than, than the sun too much. Um, I very much appreciate your time. It is an exciting time for you at the moment. We are here to discuss the brand new record for yourself. It is Sonda. Um, firstly, congratulations. This is a Thank beautiful you. record, mate.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, like it's, it's one of the coolest things and I think you have to check yourself multiple times and it's not like an overly humble thing, but it is just you know, sometimes like, wow, like this is my second album. I I get like, I even see 22 a million behind you. And like, I'm just sort of thinking like, you know, it's so sweet to have these landmarks throughout your career and just be like, Oh, I get to make albums and release it into the world. And, <laughs> and, and it just, it feels like a very nice thing. And And I know they kind of take over your life and color your life and dictate it for the next few years. So I'm just, I'm excited to kind of step into a new chapter.
1: Of course. Well, yeah, it is, it is a brand new, uh, brand new chapter. As you said, a brand new era was there. I feel like it's almost a, a bit of a cliche these days, but was there any pressure for yourself, I guess, coming up to this second record, the dreaded second record, if you will.
2: Yeah. 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 I think for me, all my pressure is internal, to be honest. I think, um, and I guess that it makes no difference. So the answer is yes, but it's just like, <laughs> there's no outside pressure. It's all good, but it, it just, I put pressure on myself to kind of do the right thing. I think, um, I think the main thing, you know, like for me is as an artist, I want to make beautiful music and I want to tour it. And that's kind of the bottom line. But then it's interesting to have a career, there's certain decisions you got to make, there's certain um, songs that can help you kind of move forward in your career. And, And so you have to kind of assess those for what they are and and realize like, okay, is this true to me? Is this, is this the right thing for me to do? So second album, that's where the pressure came from. I was kind of like, okay, I definitely want to progress my career. I want to reach more people, but I, I don't want to isolate anybody. And I don't want to sort of, um, I don't want to change too much. So yeah, but you know, I'm happy. Like, and it's, it's just, I just, I'm keen to get music out into the world. You can overthink things way too easily, I think.
1: I can very much, um, appreciate that and i guess resonate with that as well i think that sometimes you can almost overcook a song or an album if you will in terms of if you're continually returning back and forth to it and changing it and so i i personally i i love the the title of the record and kind of what that stands for i have i want to make sure i get the quote right that the sonda uh, sonda is the realization that each randomly Sorry, each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, which I thought was Mm. kind of a lovely way to encapsulate what life really is. What made it resonate with you so much, I guess?
2: I think it's just natural. I I, I saw this word for the first time three or four years ago and I had nothing to attach it to. I had no album to sort of stick it on. I had no song at the time that deserved it. Mm -mm. And it's just something I've always really that's always meant a lot to me. I kind of, and I know I'm, this isn't unique to me, but I'm just, I think like I spend a lot of time kind of just going for long drives by myself. And if I see a light come on in a house, I just, you know, I love building those stories in my head and I love, you know, it, it puts me back in my place, which I really love. I'm just, I think as a musician and as an artist, you're so often kind of assessing your own feelings and thinking about your own life and your own ambitions and the past and your potential future. And you're just thinking like, it's not that important. Like it's really not like there's people like if you drive through a town, there's probably so many people that are dealing with things that like, you just, you're so lucky to be in your position. So I don't know. I've always just been intrigued and fascinated by hearing other people's stories and by imagining them, to be honest, and just, just thinking about like the fact that everybody has good days, everybody has bad days. and You know, that's the beautiful thing about being on tour is that like you could catch someone on the best day of their life or the worst day of their life, but the music still carries for both of them. And I love that.
1: It is, it is a fascinating concept. And I, as, as I mentioned, I, I do love it. I think, especially as you kind of mentioned, which I wanted to touch on musicians and especially uh, successful musicians like yourself, you are in this kind of industry where it, is even if you don't want to, the machine, the people around you wanting to focus on you, they're wanting to push you and whether that's you as the product, you as the person, whatever it may be, it is an interesting thing that this kind of concept is about turning that inside out and focusing on those around. And I think that one thing uh, in in my research today is that that doesn't come across in terms of the artist, the kind of artist that you are that I I have been aware of your music for the last few years and I've enjoyed your music. One thing I've discovered in researching for today is that you're either a Dermot Kennedy fan or you're not aware of Dermot because it it seems that all the people that we do have uh, in in my inner circle and outer circle that they're either, they're yet to hear your music or that they are, you know, the ride or die kind of fans.
2: Right. Yeah. It's a lot, you know, I mean, yeah, I think I've been very lucky to kind of cultivate a base of people that, um, really care and really get it, you know? And I think, I think for me, it's just, I, I think if the music's right and if you carry yourself properly, that'll just continue to grow. We had a thing recently where I've been doing these, uh, gigs where I'm just playing in the street for free and we do it for charity and stuff. And I did one in Toronto. And there was a few thousand people showed up and genuinely a lot more than I expected. And we had, a, um, we had a security guard. And as soon as we turned the corner and he saw this crowd of a few thousand people, he was like, no, 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 this won't work. Like, this is dangerous. Like, there's too many people. <laughs> and because there was no sort of infrastructure, there was no barriers. I was standing up on a park bench playing the sun. So it was very loose. Then he was like, this is too dangerous. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, like, these people are nice. Like, like if I, if we go in there, all aggro and carry ourselves in that way, it'll be an issue. But like, if you just stroll up and literally say hi to people, I think, I think what I'm trying to say is I'm lucky enough to have cultivated a fan base where they just understand that I'm just a person. You know what I mean? Like, it's not this thing where it's like people swinging out of me and like trying to sort of shout at me and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, I just, I'm a human who sings songs and uh, long may it continue to be honest.
1: Yes, I would agree with that, and hopefully that is the case. I guess the point I'm making before is that yeah, it does seem to be almost like a sense of community that I found with your fans. Is that it's not just like a fan base; it is a sense of community. It's a place of that, I, as you said, they recognise that you are a person, and there seems to be a recognition between them as well. Do you know? I guess how do I ask this? Is there anything that you attribute to that? I guess, is, is there something that you've set out as an artist when you first started writing or is it just that it, you managed to have kind of lucked upon such a caring fan base? I think, um,
2: I, think I don't pretend to be anybody, you know, like I think, I think if I was playing a show tonight and if I was really angry or pissed off about something that would be fine. Like I don't sort of sit side of stage and then like quack a smile on my face. Like I can be whoever I need to be. And I think that's, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it's just, it's something I really appreciate. And I think like bunny bear for me are kind of just the best thing to ever happen. And so, um, the really intense honesty and power in that music is something that inspired me so much. And so I sort of set out to write music that was just really true to me. And it's, you know, it's like, I don't think, and I still haven't in sort of 15 years of making music. I haven't, um, I've never sat down and be like, here's what kind of song I'm going to make. Like, I'm going to try and do this today. I'm going to try and like speak on this emotion. I literally, I always just sit down and whatever happens happens. Um, And so things feel quite organic, I guess. And so if that's kind of very truthful, In the long run it'll attract people who warm to that i guess and who are similarly open and like being vulnerable and um and so i'm not sure how i did it yeah i guess to be honest it's been a long road it's not as if i released my first song yesterday you know and so uh and so it's taken time and there's a lot of choices along the way you know like it it took a very long time for me to release a single which was power over me like my first sort of like radio single is and the reason i did that is because i just the reason I waited so long is because I was so scared of this scenario where I'd play a show for an hour and people would just not pay attention for 45 minutes, go crazy for that song and then go home. You know, like I just, I'm not into that and I've seen it happen at shows before. And so it was very important for me to just cultivate a fan base that like know every song. And in this day and age, like talking about sort of, you could debate the importance of albums these days at all, you know, but it's just, it's important to me to be an artist who makes albums and people actually sort of dissect and dive into every song instead of just being like, here's 10 singles over the course of two years, you know?
1: 100%. I think that does, I think it does come across that you are, well, um, how would you word it? Like, an, you're an artist's artist, if you will, not to sound too wanky, mm-hmm. but that you know. No, are I appreciate a... <laughs> it because
2: I'd like to be. And, and, you know, like in a world where I am trying to play big venues, I'm trying to have a, big career. I feel like I'm quite an ambitious person, but I always, I always, 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 that's the most important thing, you know?
1: 100%. Just a, um, just a second ago, you mentioned Gon and kind of not trying to sit down and write any kind of set song that what happens, I guess happens with this new record. Um, what was it? The opening track, Any Love and the track Dreamer I felt had Elements of that kind of the second and as we discussed the third point of their record sitting behind me. When you sit down to write, when you're in the studio, do you like to have external forces at play? If you will, will you have music by other artists playing on around you, or are you someone who kind of tries to shut that out? And as you said, just what comes is what happens.
2: I don't try and shut it out. I do. I never, I, like, if I show anybody anything in the studio, it'll, it'll be hip-hop. Like, if there's a reference, it'll <laughs> always be hip-hop. And and the reason for that, I think, like, say, you know, like, With Any Love, for example, if I were to kind of go to a producer and be like, oh, yeah, but there's this song called Creaks, and it's like, you know, vocal processing and whatever, and we just end up trying to copy that. Do you know what I mean? So it's very important for me to, like, to be inspired, but to also do my own thing, because I'd hate for, like, it would kill me if someone was just like, Oh, he's just pretending to be this, you know, like, and, and, and so it, it, it's kind of a balance, right? Because you don't want to, you don't want to shut yourself off from potential inspiration, but also, um, it is important to be yourself and kind of just let your own sort of your own identity come to the front, because otherwise you could, I, I think it's, it's risky to try and like pretend to be somebody basically.
1: 100%. I can appreciate that. There are, um, there are quite a lot of, um, developments in Sonics here, if you will, that the album kind of does build upon. I think what, um, the first album without fear kind of started and then you've added different elements. I don't want to say, For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Uh, I, I saw an interview with yourself where I think that you were discussing that there were certain elements of maybe pop or popular music not pop as the genre itself mm. um but th- th- there are bits and pieces that you're kind of pushing at sonic envelope here and, and trying different things do you, when you go into that and when you're creating i guess when you're in that moment are you thinking of how it's going to be received is there a thought that we're talking about the very dedicated loyal fan base is there a thought of how it's going to land within that group as well
2: for sure. For sure. And, uh, and I think that dedicated fan base has been with me for a long time. Sometimes can underestimate how much they're on my mind, you know, cause it's always there. That thought is always there, but also, you know, I have to grow as an artist and I have to grow as a person. And, and even I think about how it's received in, in the live setting. So I think about like the environments I play these songs in now. So kiss me, for example, is a much poppier kind of tune. But then I was saying earlier, when we were playing some shows with Sean Mendez this summer, they were in these sports stadiums. And during sound check, I'd go out just to listen. And I was just like, wow, like this song belongs in places like this. And it has this kind of U2 killers type vibe that just like drives this song home in an arena like this. And I was just like, you know, I can't, I want to play places like that. I absolutely loved being in there and I can't just, play that with me and my guitar, I'd be bored. You know what I mean? So I want to try new things. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, that's what I mean. I'm kind of, I'm constantly trying to grow as an artist and reach more people, but also do the right thing and, and be conscious of the fact that like there's people with me for six years, seven years and, um, and do the right thing for them and and give them the music that they love,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, always a very fine balance to the number of artists that we talk about it is that you can if you chose to you could really sit down and release the same or a variation of the same album for 10 years and keep a certain subcategory happy or you can kind of there's an element of yeah there's an element of challenging both the audience and yourself and keeping yourself engaged with what's happening what's going on
2: yeah definitely absolutely and ultimately it's kind of it's kind of messy right because ultimately it would just be nice to like you ideally you just clear your head and do whatever feels organic and then great like if someone likes that sweet if they don't no hard feelings and it's just it's this thing where you're constantly trying to get back to that place of just being authentic and, and just and do the right thing but just like follow your own instincts because you go mad trying to please everybody you know
1: of course, yeah. <laughs> There's no way to please everyone, so you might as well be uh, keeping yourself um, keeping yourself exactly. engaged. And, yeah, um, I was hoping you might uh, indulge me a little bit, Dermot. I know that people always talk about uh, the, the busking aspect or the, the start of your career with that. I'd like to go a little bit before that, try and change it up a bit, try and give you something else to talk about. Um, yeah. And I would love to talk about, uh, I believe you and I might have a shared love of a certain gentleman called uh, Glenn Hansard and his ah. band, The Frames.
2: The Frames. Yeah. Yeah. Even above Glenn, obviously he's the sort of guy, but, um, but The Frames just as a band is just nuts to me. Yeah, When people don't know, I'm just like, wow, come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was somewhat late to the party. I, um, oh I'm going to say this is about 2007, I think. They um, opened for Bob Dylan here in Australia and that was my introduction when I was ah,
2: okay.
1: in my early 20s and that was a, just a glass-shattering moment. But I believe that you had a similar thing of seeing the frames on TV and that was kind of like a, I want to pursue music or I want to kind of go that that career choice, that like career way, sorry. Mm-hmm. Totally. And
2: I like I was late to the party too just by being born in the nineties. Like, I think, um, I think when the frames, like I missed even their sort of period when they were just like the thing in Ireland and there was such a cult thing. It was like, anytime I talk to like friends that are slightly older than me, they're kind of like, Oh, it was the coolest thing ever. Like if the frames (laughs) were playing, it was just the hottest ticket in town. And, uh, yeah, like we, we actually did a TV show recently. We played Jules Holland in the UK And Cullen McEnumara, the fiddle player from The Frames, played with me, which was a very beautiful kind of like full circle (laughs) thing. And I, uh, it was a really, I don't think he was necessarily aware of how insane it was for me to be playing with him. But uh, yeah, just unbelievable music, right? Like it's crazy. It was a good thing for me to find, honestly, because it showed me that these huge arrangements, like this, this sort of massive band of like, say, six people going for it, like, like hell for leather can still have this really intense intimacy and so much feeling within that. I, I, it was important for me because I always, you know, I was always drawn to the acoustic side of things and I was like, okay, this is going to be like just me and a guitar in theaters. And then when I found the frames, I was like, no, you can really have that feeling, but like it can go up, it can dip right back down. It can be really dynamic. And so yeah, really, really special band.
1: 100%. percent i I think that there is something, and I don't know what the the certain word, the the term or phrase that it might be, because I feel that it does come across with a number of Irish singer-songwriters, and that's not to generalise either, but you've got Glenn Hansard and The Frames, as we mentioned. Damien Rice would be another example. And yourself, I would almost put in that... Oh, no, sorry. I would put in that same category almost as like a each generation's different um heartfelt Irish troubadour if you will um mm-hmm. what is it that I guess because I feel that it's very specific to Ireland that you have these beautiful troubadours that do come out and it, that you can as you said you can have five or six people smashing instruments not smashing instruments but like thrashing the hell out of their instruments and it still comes across as a heartfelt um tender moment and then you can still draw that into one man a guitar and a vocal it's
2: Where does that come from? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's just, it's always been a really important part of Irish culture, you know? And and like, I guarantee, I know the video, like if you put in Glenn Hansard, Damien Rice, busking, like it will be there. And I know we're not necessarily trying to talk about busking, but like, it's just part of culture in Ireland and, and it's where a lot of people start. And I was saying earlier, I mean, I used to sort of quinge about not being able to get a gig and not being able to play in certain venues and stuff and then i realized like you can play in the street to a thousand people every single day you know like it's easy it's right there that outlet is there for you and (laughs) so that's how i learned how to sing and i don't know it's just like you go to any pub in ireland any party like come two three o'clock in the morning like a guitar will come out and someone will start playing and um and I know that's not exclusive to Ireland, but it's just singing is just a very important part of who we are as people. And I think for me, it's very, like, it's just natural. Like you were saying, I had that moment where I was watching the TV and I saw the frames and I was like, I want to do that. And, uh, and I think that's so important, you know, so it goes down through the generations. I think about Van Morrison, like Sinead O'Connor, Hosier, all these artists. I'm just like, wow, like, this is just something I want to be a part of. So I think it's very important that we nurture that as a culture here and kind of make sure that there's sort of opportunities for like, if someone sees me doing something that there's room there for them to be the next one. And I just, I think that's very important because we always, you know, in Ireland, we always celebrate like punching above our weight as artists and singer songwriters. And it's just like, that has to continue, I think.
1: 100%. I know that you, uh, very recently in our shores so I feel like this is a bit of an unfair question to be asking you but as we mentioned before there is a very devoted fan base for you down here I very quickly want to throw in a, a friend of the podcast her name is Caitlin absolutely loves you and was the introduction to yourself for me so I thank you Caitlin for that introduction Nice one. Um, uh, can we expect to see you back on our shores I know something yeah three or four months but can we expect to see you uh, back in Australia supporting this album I think so. Yeah,
2: I would love to. <clears throat> I think we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to... Uh, we got some things kind of early next year that have to fall into place, but we... I would love to, to be honest. And, you know, it would just feel... I'd be very excited to come back because the gigs this year felt very special. And they were the sort of size of venues where it was like, is this going to work out? Like, is this going to be okay? Blah, blah, blah. Like, will people sort of come in crowds this size? And it just... it, It really, really it felt like a special moment and we had some really good shows. So uh, I'm very keen to come back. Definitely. I love it down there, to be honest. And it's really sweet because you get this thing where you don't get another tour. So say like, if you're playing New York, Boston, and Philadelphia, it's really like play a show, get on the bus, play the next show, play the next show. Whereas in Australia, because places are so uh, far apart from each other, you get this lovely time to explore and you'll often have days off. And so, like I really do like being down there so yeah hopefully I'll go back
1: Please. well if you do come back next year you manage to make it to Adelaide which is South Australia please let us know we'll give recommendations on, uh, on what you can oh, do on those do, days yeah. off yeah 100% uh, to, lastly we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to is there anything that's uh, currently on high rotation for yourself
2: sure yeah just yesterday I was listening to actually there's two artists that I think are fantastic at the moment one is Dijon you've heard of him Yes. Yeah, crazy. And then uh, there's another guy called La Russell that is like making mad amounts of noise in hip hop, but he's from Vallejo in California. And um, it's such a unique thing to watch. It's really, really cool. Basically, he isn't signed to anybody. He is putting on shows in LA and stuff with no booking agent, no ticketing agent. Like he literally just sells the tickets himself. He sells the merch himself. He has this really cool kind of pay what you want policy where people can, and he like, if someone invests in his career, he'll give them publishing on a song and give them like royalties and stuff. It's really cool. You got to check him out. But above all, the music is really sick too. So yeah.
1: that's I, I love any time that an artist can kind of not, well, I guess revolutionize the way that they interact with people and that is incredible so definitely uh, Dijon solid choice but we'll definitely check out the Russell Um yeah I do yeah, yeah Jermit thank you so much for your time today congrats on Sunder the album uh, we look forward to seeing you when you're in Australia soon but yeah thank you for being on the podcast nice man thank you And that's our show. A massive thank you to Dermot Kennedy for his time. Sonder is out now, and we'll leave links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record. We also want to give a huge shout-out to Sam at Universal Music Australia for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when your episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the pilot's profile on Spotify, You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.